Amen. Well, you can be seated. So glad you are here. If you're online, happy Father's Day. Hope you have a great day and welcome everybody that's uh, here. Somebody told me that uh, for Father's Day, they get a special trip to Lowe's today. So uh, I think a lot of guys will uh, uh, enjoy that as well. But go ahead and turn to Revelation uh, 1. We're going to look from Revelation 1 to 3 this morning. Um, And as you're turning, I just want to remind us, uh, guys, the importance of a godly example. God calls us to be loving leaders and uh, how vital that is in a society that really downplays masculinity. God wants us to be leaders. He wants us to be strong leaders, and he wants us to be loving leaders, to demonstrate grace and goodness, whether it be before your family or your choice family. Uh, God wants us to uh, just remember what our roles and our responsibilities are. And so, uh, happy Father's Day. Hope you have a uh, a fantastic uh, day as you provide stability for your families. And, uh, you know, it's a difficult day for some as well. Maybe you can't be with family, or maybe you had some struggles in um, uh, your uh, either parent relationship or child relationship. So, we pray that God will give you comfort and guidance and uh, that you'll be able to enjoy uh, this week. But we're uh, going to look back at the church this morning. We've been talking about loving what Jesus loves, and Jesus loves the church. In Ephesians 5, it tells us that he loves uh, his church, and if we're going to love what he loves, uh, this is how he says it in uh, Matthew 16, 18. He said, and I also say to you, Peter, that upon this rock, I will build my church. So this is Jesus' church. Church doesn't belong to us. It's not ours to determine what we want to do. It belongs to him. He says, it's my church. And then he gives us this great promise that the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The church is going to continue on. And uh, so we're going to look at the church this morning from Revelation 1 to 3. And as we look at Revelation 1 to 3, we're going to learn that human nature hasn't changed in the past 2,000 years. When Jesus established the church, and then we see uh, seven different churches in this book of Revelation here, and how they were dealing with struggles and strife and life and uh, all kind of different issues, the ups and downs that these seven churches would have. And Jesus, in the midst of the churches there, has some information to them. And you know what? They all had struggles, and it's just like where we are today. You know, um, Pastor Steve recently uh, shared with us about his retirement coming up, and we've been uh, talking with uh, Garrett and discussions with him about him uh, coming on staff. And so churches go through transitions, right, just like life has transitions. And though things change from generation to generation, if you were brought up in church, Church kind of looks different than it did when you were growing up and uh, maybe multiple generations, uh, a lot of changes can go on. And, you know, uh, Elmer Town said this uh, about change, and I think it's real important. He said, methods are many, principles are few. Methods may change, but principles never do. There are a lot of things that can change, and the reality is they're no big deal. But we never change the mission. We never change the scriptures. All that remains the same. And as long as we are dealing with the foundational truths of scripture and we're living out according to what it has to say, some of the peripheral issues in life really aren't that big of a a matter. And so, yeah, things change and life goes on and, uh, you know, their music changes. And I don't know what music is today, but if you are in your 50s, music is the, you know, the mid-70s to the early 80s. That's real music, right? And if you know what music was to sound, 
sound like. And, uh, you know, today is just they don't know how to sing or whatever. And the same is true with church. Wherever you kind of came to know Jesus, you kind of like that uh, style or whatever. We could go back for 2,000 years. A lot of things change. Uh, You know, styles can change. But we stay focused. We want to keep the main thing the main thing, no matter what transitions kind of come our way. Well, in these seven churches in Revelation, as we're going to see, um, we're going to see what uh, God has to say to these individual local churches. And when we go to the book of Revelation, maybe uh, over the years I've met people say, I just don't read the book of Revelation. That's a scary book that talks about the future, the end of the world. I don't want to have anything to do with it. But let me give you some hope this morning. This is how the book of Revelation begins. In Revelation 1.1, it says, the revelation of Jesus Christ. If you want to know what Revelation is about, it is about Jesus Uh, Certainly, it talks about future events. It talks about some typology, some difficult things to understand. But here's what God wants you to pick up on. The Bible is about Jesus. And even in a difficult book like Revelation, we want to look for Jesus, the revelation of Jesus Christ. Down in verse 8, this is what Jesus says about himself. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He created everything. He sustains everything, and he's going to bring it all to completion. He has it in control. You don't have to overly worry about it. God knows what he's doing. It says that he is So he's here with us. He was, he lived 2,000 years ago. He died, but he resurrected, thank God. He was, and he is to come. He's going to come back one day. Jesus came the first time, but friends, realize he's coming back for us one day as well. And if we want to understand the book of Revelation, here is the key verse to understanding Revelation. Revelation 119 says this. Now, Jesus is talking to John here, and he says, write the things what you have seen. So chapter one talks about past events. Write the things that you have seen. Secondly, the things which are, chapter two and three, and the things which shall take place, chapters four through 22. Write the things of the past, write the things of the present, and write the things of the future. The past is that Jesus died, was buried, and he resurrected. That's Revelation chapter one. It pictures what he did in his first coming. Chapters two and three talk about seven specific churches. In Asia, this local region, there were seven communities with seven local churches, these local independent churches that were were there. He's not talking about the greater church. Some people talk about the capital C churches that all Christians are a part of, but he says, I want you to be a part of a local congregation. So he's talking to these specific churches here, and that's what's going on today. And then from chapters 4 through 22, he talks about future events. Now, it's interesting. In chapter 4, the Bible tells John to come up hither, and he saw these scenes in heaven. It really is a picture of the rapture that's going to take place one day when all believers are caught up into heaven. And it's interesting, from chapters 4 through 18 of Revelation you don't see any mention of the church being on earth. Why? Because we're not going to be here. And then in chapters 19 through 22, the church comes back uh, with Jesus Christ, and then will rule and reign on this earth. It's called the millennial kingdom. And, And that's one of the reasons I believe you don't have to fear going through the tribulation. The church isn't going to be going through that time period. Well, anyways, 
Let's uh, back up a little bit. Look at Revelation 1-4. I want you to see uh, what's going on. John. So John is writing this letter. He's the same John that wrote St. John. He wrote 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. And he also wrote this book of Revelation. John, to the seven churches which are in Asia. Down in verse 11, he kind of clarifies that again, saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. What you see, write in a book. So Jesus says, John, I want you to write these things in a book. And here's what I want you to do with it. Send it to the seven churches which are in Asia, and then he lists these seven churches. So the book of Revelation was written. God told John to, uh, to write these things down, and under the inspiration of God, God gave him clarity so he would write exactly what God wanted him to do. It's called inspiration. So everything in the Bible was exactly the way God intended it for it to be. And then he said, I want you to send this letter to the seven different churches. That's what's going on here in the book of Revelation. And if you want to do a good study, study chapters two and three this week, and God has something to say to each one of these seven local churches that are going on. But that would take way too much time. We're not going to do that this morning, but here's what I want to do. God has something to say to every one of these churches, and he says it seven times, to actually two different things that he has to say to these seven churches. And if he had it for those seven churches years ago, and if the reality of human nature doesn't change, it's going to help us today, all right? So I want you to see two different things that Jesus has for us. And here, let me give you the first. Jesus knows our works. What do I mean by that? Well, let's look. If something's in the Bible once, it's got to be important. If it's two or three times, you think, man, Jesus is wanting us to get a point. If he says something seven times, you can kind of imagine God wants to get his point across here. Now, I'm not going to read all seven at times this is used, but I just want to read a couple. In Revelation 2.2, I know your works. Look at verse 9. I know your works. And then to many other churches. And then in Revelation 3.8, it says this, I know your works. Let me just lay out something really deep for you. God knows your works, all right? Can you get that? If he's saying it over and over again, he knows what's going on. Now, maybe your first thought is, oh, man, God knows what's going on in my life. Uh, This is worrisome to me, man. My wife doesn't know, my husband doesn't know, my parents don't know. Uh, Whatever the case uh, would be, you could be looking at this and thinking, man, this is kind of scary. Since God's everywhere, he knows everything that's going on. God knows what's going on. But let me back up and say this. The first thing he wants you to realize is he knows your good works. He's not just being, hey, I know what's going on in your life. He's not looking at it as this this, uh, judge, this wrathful individual that's just waiting for you to mess up. He's our heavenly father. He's the savior that Romans says, if God is for us, who can be against us? God's for you today. God's not looking down, waiting for you to mess up. Just like if we're going to be a good parent, we don't just find our kids doing wrong. We want to catch them doing good and encourage them and praise them and build them up and give them that kind of identity. That's God's plan for each one of our life, and that's what God does to us. Don't think negatively here. In Revelation 2.19, he says, I know your works, love, service, faith, and your patience. He said, I know what's going on in your life, and I just want you to know I'm very proud of you. I see those works that you're doing. 
he goes on to say, and it's for your works, the last are more than the first. See, these people didn't say, well, I used to sing in the choir. Well, I used to teach Sunday school. Well, I used to go to church. Well, I used to read my Bible. He said, you're doing more now than you ever did before. And I just want to say thanks for your patience. The idea of that is your consistency. Thanks for continuing on. Great job. You know, it's a great thing to be motivational to other people, to be an encouragement. And that's what God does here. He's saying, I know what's going on in this church. And I just want to say I'm proud of you. Thanks to those that give consistently. Thanks for those that serve in our church, that mow our lawn, that set up the chairs here, that work with our kids program, that welcome us as we come in, that make us a cup of coffee, that they're up front and behind the scenes in our worship service. Thank God for those that do all the work around here. Our Category 5 group just went out, and as I came in this morning, the teens called me in and said, oh, we got a great skit. Watch our skit. And they were talking about vaccinations, and, and uh, uh, they just did a, a cute little uh, skit for me, and it was just exciting. And then I heard them singing worship songs. I was like, man, this is just powerful because there's a group of people ministering there. Our impact kids and those that serve in the nursery. Don't you thank God for all those people? And Jesus said, I know your works. Be not weary in well-doing, for you'll reap if you faint not. You know, sometimes we feel like we're doing things alone or nobody notices. But I want you to know Jesus notices. He knows what's going on in your life. I know what's going on. And one day we will stand before Jesus. It's called the judgment seat of Christ. Some call it the bema judgment. It's not a judgment for your sins. Let me remind you, if you know Jesus is Savior, your sins were placed on the cross. He judged your sins. You are forgiven. Isn't that wonderful? You won't stand before God for your sins, but you will stand to give an account of your stewardship. Can you imagine him saying to us, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thank you for your faithfulness. And we'll see what Jesus did for us when he died that we could have eternal life. I think all of us will feel like we, felt short, we fell short of what we could have done, but thank God he welcomes us in. Enter into the joy of the Lord. I know your works. I know your good works, first of all. Secondly, Jesus also knows our struggles. He begins with the positive, and then he says, but... It can't all be positive. Every sermon's not going to be positive. It's not going to be encouraging all the time. We've got to deal with reality. And these churches had some areas they need to work on. Six out of the seven got reprimanded, actually. I know your struggles. The one who was, excuse me, is walking in the midst of the candlesticks challenges as well encourages. He corrects as well as telling them what they're doing right. Jesus loves the church, and he's washing it with the water of the word that he might sanctify and cleanse it, that he will present it to himself, a spotless church one day. You see, God wants to clean us up. He wants to correct us, and he's going through these seven churches, and he says, I know what's going on. And some of it is great, but you know what? You got some areas to work on. In chapter three, verse 15, he says this, I know your works that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either cold or hot. 
If you have a hot cup of tea, it's really good, right? Able to sip on that. Maybe you drink it in the morning or in the evenings as you're preparing for bed. A nice hot tea is really nice. Or in the hot summer day to drink this ice cold uh, tea, mix it with a little bit of lemonade or something. I don't know how you would like it. It's really good. But just put it right in the middle of lukewarm. It's not hot. You take a hot drink, it's not hot anymore. It's not that good. You take a cold drink, it's not cold anymore. It's not that good. Jesus says in verse 16, so then, because you are lukewarm, you're just there in the middle, not doing anything bad, not doing anything good, you're just kind of doing. You're neither cold or hot. I will vomit you out of my mouth. Wow. Did you think you would hear about vomit on Sunday morning this week? And Jesus said, that makes me sick. I want you to be on fire. Do you remember those days when you first trusted Christ or your life was just transformed? As I was singing those songs, and they're all about life transformation, just very powerful. And I got saved when I was younger and didn't have a, uh, you know, a, a super life change. I grew up in church and knew Jesus as my Savior. But there, there have been those points where I really dedicated myself. It's like, man, I, I just can't play church anymore. Revelation 2, 4 says it this way. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you left your first love. Pastor Steve reminds us that we don't just worship in truth, but we worship in spirit and truth, our passion. Am I passionate about Jesus Christ? Jesus loves me. Do I get excited about that? Do I want to spend time with him? He said, you're doing all these good things, but your heart is far from me. Just kind of waxing and waning a little bit. It's just not where it used to be. Jesus knows what's going on. I know your works. I know the good. Continue doing it. And I know there's some areas you need to grow in. You need to make some changes as well. And all of us need to make change in our life. Our church needs to, to continue to grow and make changes. Each one of our families can grow and become more like Jesus. Our individual life, none of us are perfect. We just need to continue moving ahead. I know your works, first of all. And the second thing that Jesus says to all of these seven churches is the Spirit wants to guide our lives. Look with me at chapter two, verse seven. He who has an ear, and let me just stop there. The first service didn't do this at all, so I hope, I hope you'll participate a little bit more. Just check and see, anybody have an ear here? All right, can you check? All right, good, appreciate it, yeah. All right, you have an ear online? Do you have an ear? Okay, you guys did great. You, you, you are much better Christians than the people in the first service, so I appreciate that. But now, listen to what he's saying here. Do you have an ear? All right, guess what? That is every single one of us, right? Anybody left out? No. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Well, it's not just there, but seven different times. It, it concludes in, the, in chapter 3, verse 13. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Again, in verse 22. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. God is wanting to speak to our churches. He wants to speak to Choice Baptist Church. He wants to speak to you individually today. He's got a message for you. And he's talking to every one of us. Let me just throw out a couple thoughts. First of all, don't limit the Holy Spirit. Now, we as a church 
believe that God deals differently in different seasons. I believe that there were certain spiritual gifts that were for the time of Jesus and the apostles that don't necessarily uh, need to happen today. Those things had ceased. There are some changes. I don't believe that uh, I have the ability or any other individual can just lay hands on somebody and they be healed the way Jesus and the apostles did. I believe that was an apostolic gifting. I think some things have ceased, but if we're not careful, we can just ignore the Holy Spirit in our life. Don't limit the Holy Spirit through your prayer life, through the guidance of the Holy Spirit in your life. So he wants to fill you. He wants to guide you. There are callings that God has put in your life. There are giftings that God gives. There is the fruit of the Spirit that God wants us to have in our life. Just read through the book of Acts, how the Holy Spirit guided the early church and how they functioned. And the Holy Spirit is still speaking to our church today. He's got a plan for every one of our lives. Don't limit the Holy Spirit, but secondly, don't add to the Word of God. And if we're not careful, we can... Say, well, I've prayed about it, and I think it's okay. There's some things the Bible tells us is right or is wrong, and we stick with the Bible. You say, well, I've prayed about it. If it goes contrary to God's word, it isn't of God. It isn't of the Spirit. Don't add to the Scriptures. His word is our guide. The Holy Spirit wants to guide us into all truth. So don't limit the Holy Spirit, but don't add to the word of God. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Do listen and obey God's voice. Look at verse 22. He who has an ear, he, he's talking about an individual that has an ear. He's talking to you and I. Let him hear. God is speaking to you today. God has a message for every one of us. Hear what the Spirit is saying. He's talking to you personally. He's talking to your family, guys on Father's Day. Be that godly example. Raise up your children in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. Send them out, your children and your grandchildren, to serve God and have a relationship with him. Personally, he who has an ear. The relationships that we have in life. If you have a toxic relationship, God's saying, you know what? Don't allow that to control your life. If you're dating somebody, you know it's not God's will. If you have friendships that don't get you on the right track, maybe he wants you to follow in baptism or church membership or getting involved. Maybe you have some sinful speech or sinful attitudes or uh, some things that are going on in your life that you know is not pleasing to God or your devotional life's not consistent or your church attendance. You know, God wants to guide you. Witnessing. The other day, I'm in a Bible study with a group of guys on Tuesdays, and I was <clears throat> working on my homework one afternoon, and the question was, what is it that you want God to do for you today? And I wrote in there, God, help me to share the gospel with somebody. Within just a few minutes, I, I don't remember exactly how long, I think within like 15 minutes, Somebody came into the office and said, hey, can I talk to the pastor? We started talking. I was able to share the gospel with him. Why? Because I prayed and asked God. I asked the Holy Spirit to give me guidance. Later that afternoon, I had another opportunity. I was like, man, why did it happen? Because I asked God to guide me. If we can just ask God, 
He wants to bless us. He wants to use us. He wants us to fulfill our purpose in life. What is the Spirit saying to the church? He has something to say to us. What is he saying to our family and our personal life? You see, a relationship is built on communication, isn't it? You can't have a good relationship with your spouse or with your kids if there's not good communication. It limits what goes on, and God wants to communicate. He wants to have a relationship with you. And hear what the Spirit is saying. He wants to speak to you, whether it's the first thing in the morning, making some decisions. Uh, this morning, I got up, and as uh, so I was getting uh, dressed, I thought, well, I'm just turning the news on, just kind of preoccupy my mind. I just felt like God said, no, don't do it. I want you to pray. And uh, so I just spent a little extra time in prayer. God wants to speak to your heart. He wants to use you and to guide you in this life. I remember as a teenager, I went to church, and my life wasn't always, you know, I wasn't always making the right choices just like I don't today. But as a teenager and young adult, I always went to church. I went to church because I wanted to go to church. I wanted to learn and to grow. God was speaking to me. But I noticed as a young adult, that I'd hop in my car right after uh, church, you know, God speaking to me over here, and I'd crank my music up and start on the road. And it was just like I forgot all the things that God was saying to me. And I kind of learned over uh, a period of time that after church I needed to take some time just to be reminded, what was God saying to me? How can that impact my life this week? Is there something that, I, uh, that God was speaking to my heart that I learned a little while ago that he wants me to put into my life. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Hear what he's saying to your family. Hear what he's saying to you. I know your works, the good and the bad, the struggles that you go through. He knows. He's there. And then listen, let the Holy Spirit guide you. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. The last message he has is in Revelation 3.20. It's a very powerful verse. If you uh, grew up in church, you probably heard this verse before, but Revelation 3.20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. We often use this verse to share the gospel, and I think it's a good application, but this verse was primarily written to these seven churches. Jesus, who's walking in the midst of the candlesticks, who were the seven churches. Jesus was in the midst. Pastor Steve reminded us this morning that we're two or three are gathered together. Jesus is in our midst. Even individually, he said, I will never leave you or forsake you, but for some reason, Jesus is outside of this church, and he's knocking on the door. He's wanting to come in. They kicked him out. They were doing their own thing. They weren't listening to the Holy Spirit. They were doing what they wanted to do. And Jesus is just politely knocking on the door, asking to come back in. And he said, if you just open the door, we'll have a relationship. What is God saying to Choice Baptist Church? Is God wanting to knock on your family's door? or your personal life, just say, hey, I want a relationship, but you're too busy. Your to-do list is too big. Your work life is just overcommitted. The hobbies that you're involved in, your commitment to your kids or your spouse or your friends or whatever it might be 
And he's knocking and he just simply says, I want to be involved in your life. I love you. I want a relationship with you. This verse is primarily writing to Christians. But I think there's a great application here as well. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. I do believe Jesus is knocking on the heart's door of people, saying that he wants to be their savior. There's an old drawing years ago that somebody made, and it has a picture of a door, and Jesus is knocking, and there's no doorknob on the outside. And the painter is just simply saying, the only way to open that door is from the inside. You have to open that door. Jesus died. He did everything was necessary, but you have to ask him into your life. You have to invite him in. I shared this verse with an elementary boy about 35 years ago, and I said, Jesus is knocking. What do you think that means? He said, Jesus isn't going to kick the door down. I have to open it up. I was like, hey, that's good. Jesus isn't going to kick the door down for your salvation. You've got to invite him in. Has there been that point in your life where you trusted Jesus? Just for a minute, let's bow our heads. As we think about the work that Jesus wants to do in our church, in our families, and in each of our individual life. If you're online and you're hearing this message and God's speaking to your heart, he's knocking on your heart's door, just invite him in. Dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner and I believe Jesus died for me and that he came back to life three days later. I invite you to come into my life, forgive me, save me, and take me to heaven when I die. Friend, if you're in here, you've never made that decision, call upon his name. And if you've made that decision, is there someone in your life that doesn't know Jesus as Savior? Why don't you call upon him? Ask him to be your Savior. Ask him to work on the heart of your loved one that they would be saved. And if you know Christ as Savior, is the Holy Spirit, is he speaking to your heart right now? Is he convicting you of some issue that he just wants you to change? If he's knocking on your heart's door, open up to him. Have that relationship. And as far as our church, what is the Holy Spirit saying to our church? Let him transform us. Let him clean us up. Let's be that church that's without spot or blemish or any such thing as the Apostle Paul says. Let's look forward to his return. That day that we stand with him and we stand before him. Dear Father, I pray that you would speak during this invitation song. Lord, change us. Comfort families that are struggling. And help us to be more like you. In Jesus' name. Let's remain in a spirit of prayer as we stand. And let's just sing this song of invitation to the Lord Joshua lead us.